When the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone listening and maybe watching we're shooting this. Welcome to, as she said, Dismembering Horror, specifically episode 196 of Dismembering Horror. And to add on to what our friend there just said, Tim and I are just two horror fans and filmmakers on the hunt for some good stuff. Today uh, we watched, or today we're talking about something. We watched a truly independent film from this fine year of 20, actually from 2022. It is now 2023. Yeah, is that right? Anyway, Skinnamarink. All right. Uh, anything else to add, Tim? Based on a short film called Heck. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, there you Cl- go. The classic trajectory. Yeah. Cool. All right, uh, then I think we can jump into it as we like to do with a trailer. So yes, from 2022, written and directed by Kyle Edward Ball. Here's the trailer for Skinnamarink. In this house. In this house. In this house. In this house. All right. <laughs> All right. So, Tim, who who wants to go first as far as uh, our rating? Would we tell ourselves to avoid stream, rent, or buy this film? Oh, man. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't want to watch it again. I'll tell you that much. So, you can stream it. I can stream it, tell, telling myself what I would do. I'd stream it. All right. Yeah. Which uh, this is a shutter picked it up release. So that's true. There you go. But I have the feeling that if we weren't doing this for the podcast and I were to just decide to watch it on shutter, I might have been one of the people who just was like, yeah, this isn't for me and turned it off after 45 minutes. Well, I'm excited to talk about it because I'm like, Tim is either going to love this or not like it at all. So <laughs> I, like, I, I, I don't hate it. I like, I'm not like, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I'm not mad about it. Okay. Although <laughs> I'm not mad about it. There are things that I'm, I will obviously talk about that I'm maybe annoyed with. I, well, in a conjecture sort of way, like my, I, I wonder about things 
in, that aren't really related to the film. Got it. So we'll that we'll get affect there your viewing in a way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if I were to see, turn this on in the middle of the night to watch something scary on Shutter, I probably wouldn't have made it through. Okay, I thought I was. I don't know. Thinking and I hoping this would be the perfect three a.m. watch for any horror fan. Maybe. Um, initial enjoyment factor. I was settling on a hearty rent, but I, I think I've talked myself up to a buy to oh, support okay. independent film that I'm just okay. like like, <laughs> like actually independent film. Sure, you know that word's used a lot for films that are just yeah not quite that. <laughs> um. And it's, it uh, really got to me even maybe, um, you know, kind of like the moments I was highlighting in our last episode of we're all going to the world's fair. Mm -hmm. It's <laughs> been on a good string of films for me that have really gotten to me on some really deep affecting level. So I think that's my, that's actually why it's a stream for me. I never got there. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> you, and it seems like most of my theater. <laughs> Oh, most of my theater was upset. <laughs> you guys. I, I, I had 11 walkouts. <laughs> 11. We counted them. Sorry, I kind of cut you off. Or you... Oh, I don't know. I uh, What was I saying? Um, I never got to that place of like, like what I think the film is, is, you know, attempting to do to get you to into this weird you know, like discomfort, like, like tapping into a thing. And I just never got there and I was kind of bummed out about it, actually. I guess that's, that's really why it's a stream. Yeah. I, and I'm um, not sure why. In, when I like first heard about this and saw the trailer or whatever, heard about it, the buzz, I got so excited for you thinking Tim's like all obsessed yeah. with liminal spaces and weird I know, stuff. I know. So, but then, at, you know, when it ended and I'm like, Tim, I don't know if he's going to like it or not as much as I was excited for, you know, hoping you'd find a new, new one you really liked here. Uh, I was just as excited at the prospect of you not loving it because I just wanted to like, after the show, after the movie, pick someone's brain who didn't enjoy yeah. it. So yeah. now I'm able to do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's do just that. Move on from our rating to our summary. We are going to be speaking in the spirit as if you watched it, but we're welcome all the same and all the same to get us on the same page. I was going to say, what was this film? What was Skinnerink? film? Well, it's... Literally, the plot is uh, two young kids in their home um, kind of discovering that their parents are gone or seemingly gone. And so they're just sort of alone. But also that doorways and like that they're kind of trapped inside, that doorways and windows and such have disappeared. So that this the house is now keeping them in um and that's kind of it like from a plot perspective um but i would say what is it for me i my takeaway was that it was sort of this exploration in a very abstract way of um childhood um 
potentially abuse, um, neglect, um, and I can see a read on it that it, if you wanted to interpret it as sort of like a demonic possession or demonic house horror film, that it, it can be that too. I think it maybe speaks to this film where I didn't necessarily, those things didn't at all jump out at me at the first week. So it's like, there you go. <laughs> right. It, and it, I think that's the abstract nature of it is opening the door, so to speak, for any of these interpretations, metaphorically mm -hmm. or not. I don't know what the filmmaker's intention was. I, I would... My takeaway was that it was sort of about domestic violence in a way but i have no idea if that's the intention i didn't get that at all okay so that's interesting yeah. <laughs> um, i mean there is violence yeah but at the hands of what is unclear so i don't know yeah neglect from something <laughs> for maybe for sure well loneliness for sure right as a kid yeah like that feeling of see that seems like the pure thing that it's closer to yeah. for me and that i think it was attempting to really truly tap us the viewer into is that feeling that likely we most people as children had of like being alone as a child i mean at I night yeah. And actually at night, that's what I was just going to say. It feels like it's just about the middle of the night in a way. Mm -hmm. Let's like make a horror movie about that. You know that. what? It, and actually there's some interest things of note. Where where are we right now? We're, not even, we're in the summary. So I'll save this for later. All right. <laughs> well, let's move on to later. If that, I think, uh, paints a picture what Tim and I saw. Is, I mean, I guess I should say something about it too. Yeah, it's... No, we'll talk about it. We hope you watched it. Whatever. We're all here. <laughs> Let's figure it out in our next section. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? What worked for you? I mean, I guess just to piggyback on that, like it, it does work in the sense that it's, it is immersing you in this, at least this filmmaker's uh, depiction of nighttime childhood loneliness or fear or just eeriness. I mean, I don't know about you. Like when you were a kid, how often were you in a house by yourself? Well, Under the age of like, let's say, 10. I think it was when I was just under 10 that my parents, um, they like built an upstairs that became their bedroom. Mm. So then it sort of became like, a, a, you know, we had our own wings or whatever. Sure. And my sister must have still been around. And your sister's older, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we both have older siblings. So we're more alike to this kevin character in this film right four right right so i don't know i feel like i can conjure some memories of what that was like when the parents were 
like the door right across the hall mm-hmm. to like a few hallways or you know a hallway mm. a room another room and a staircase oh, away. that's interesting yeah i never had that they were always just the the way that the two houses i grew up in were they they were there was like a landing between my room my brother's room and my parents room like it was all yeah. right there well since if we're talking about you know how this film maybe large is largely dependent on if it can conjure some childhood associated feelings um i do i mean i have a specific memory actually of like i think it was one of those times where i felt alone in my room as a child um it it was i don't know i was sick or something and it's my only kind of memory of feeling like really drugged up by like a cough <laughs> medicine or I don't sure. know, something like that, yeah, probably. you know, like, like a PM thing. Yeah. From, like a Robitussin or something from, right? from, from the early nineties, real strong stuff, you yeah. know, like <laughs> unregulated. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just having this weird, like, God, I mean, a kind of psychedelic almost. It's like you're in a, like a foggy video game feeling or something. And I just always remember this, like this distinct feeling in kind of my head and jaw and like looking up at the ceiling and kind of tripping out and it just being like yep. not falling asleep and kind of being all night and having, you know, the nightlight light up the ceiling. Or I whatever. have that exact same experience. Mm. So, and, well, <laughs> and that experience, it like has always felt so, so deeply personal. Like hmm. how could I ever share this like really specific feeling with right, someone right. else uh, so I think that's maybe like why I responded so well to this film is because it did exactly that with that sort of yeah. <laughs> a very specific, not just the very specific moment associated with a very specific, um, very specific feeling associated with a very specific moment right. that I never thought I could share, which is what we get from art is this kind of like, oh, you see that too. You feel that too. Yeah. So that was just super exciting for me and is at the top of my what worked here. Yeah, and I think in related to that is this shared experience thing that's that's probably happening that's kind of just built in. Like the way it's shot in terms of angles, let's say in particular, because it's it's so looking up, right? Like it's looking at ceilings and I mean, it's, there are also other shots, but so much of it is from effectively like a low to high angle. And there's like an architecture to the shots that felt to me almost almost right on the edge of like, maybe it's not exactly this, but of the same era of German expressionism. Mm. Expressionistism? No, no expressionism. expressionism. <laughs> you know, it has this, I mean, because it is very kind of black and whitey or or at least very contrasty in that sense. Um that the the light and the dark and the architecture of those shots with shadows and and light just gave me this very dreamlike i mean it's like we've talked about these these recurring kind of images that we realize that are not just like you're saying just individual to you it's like that a lot of people have these things and like where is that all collectively coming from who knows well yeah it's but it's it is feels to me like it's tapping into that 
it's just when you're saying, yeah, the collective things it's tapping into is just fascinating how the use of the uh, old the cartoons, right. old shows, whatever, somehow just does exactly that. Like, what is it about those things that just make us feel like, I don't know, <laughs> they're so specific? <laughs> I don't know either. I It is, well, what, okay, so just literally speaking when and when in our lives were we watching those Mm. cartoons right like at a younger age and where were we probably on the floor in front of the tv you know what i mean so you start to put together just these realities of like how we experienced these things and it all does coalesce to this time in our lives maybe that's the interesting thing too kind of like those cartoons, we all were watching the same old cartoons in a way. Like we all watched the same Looney Tunes. I'd watch those old, old cartoons thanks to a Pee-wee's Playhouse, I remember. Is that where they were? I was wondering, I'm like, I've seen all of these, but I don't exactly know know, what what channel was I watching. That's where I would have if those were ones that were used. Yeah, no, I recognized like most of them, if not all of them. Yeah. I was like... I, yeah, it's it's a weird experience to be like, oh yeah, we all, maybe not all of us saw exactly those, but so many of us had this childhood. I got to um I gotta shout too if we're talking about those commercials. I loved the usage in that moment of the like there's the repeated part where he's the it's a rabbit making the person wait is it person making the rabbit it's disappear? a the rabbit, dog making a rabbit disappear by like squeezing their yeah. hands and it makes this distinct sound and we get used to the sound cue it plays over and over and sort of becomes like a, has a, affects the reality mm-hmm. around it in a way and it just got me so excited just any film where it feels like i mean Best films do this, sometimes not best films do this, but to plug into serendipity and synchronicity and just feel like it's supposed to be, it just made me so happy just like when it works on that level and just sends you that little extra Mm -hmm. charge because you just know like filmmaker was looking at the footage then somehow extrapolated or was like just right. right. You know, they they were meant to find it. It's just all so exciting and makes it all that more affecting. Yeah, I wondered about that one too in, you know, that whether that was a conceptual idea before it was created or if it was like a happy accident, like mm-hmm. in the edit where, you know, they they repeated it and were like, oh, yeah, that, do that again. Um, now do it again. Like, right. Which would be really cool either way. It doesn't matter, but I like yeah. that stuff. Um, I'm, I'm thinking too, just these old cartoons, what they're doing. It's kind of like any old thing or is it the ending of... um. Hannah and her sisters where he's like has a revelation for other. Yeah. Where he's has some revelation from watching like Marx brothers or something Mm. on where he's goes from being all depressed that these are people who are dead, you know, to, to then joyous thinking like they're just being stupid and having fun. And all these years later, they're still, anyway, I'm just thinking about how this old stuff has, has a weird effect of like, kind of like this film where there are these uh, warring, seemingly opposing truths, like being held together or feelings Mm -hmm. that should be opposing. Like, yes, a cartoon, something, something fun and innocent, yet it being 
old, we can't help but get these feelings of death, I guess, or passage of time. Huh. Yeah, right, right. <sighs> yeah, it, 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 oh, that's interesting. It gives us this, oh, what do you even call that? I know what you mean, though. It, it makes us implicitly understand that with age, there's finality, mm -hmm. right? And so it's, in a way, it's not ours. It, it wasn't made by us. It was made by them mm -hmm. from back then. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something in there that makes us, you know, it's removed from, from us right. in on a some, weird way. On some unconscious level, we're going, these poor dead people. But then as soon as we have <laughs> that unconscious feeling, we realize we're no different from them. Right. Right. Uh, uh. <laughs> and do we, and do we know that when we're kids? Probably, uh, actually, I, I bet we do on some level. I mean, that's what I'm saying, trying to say unconscious. I, right. I think it's all this weird deep effect I remember happening. when I was, I may have mentioned this before, but when I was, uh, let me think about this. It was, it would have been right when I moved to Rochester. So it, it would have been 84. So I was five or six have it had just turned six i was probably still five actually. the age of these kids basically right we were we we had moved into this condo while my parents were looking for a house mm -hmm. and um it was a split level like you know split level is probably the wrong term but it was two floors condo we were in the living room very much in this vein now that now that I think about it, it had that kind of same feel. It was obviously a decade before this film is supposed to take place, but whatever. Um and I was sitting on the floor in front of the TV. I think we had just had dinner, and my parents turned on MASH, I believe it was. <laughs> and MASH, you know, is about death. Like, that's just what the show is, right? It's the Korean War. It's like this feudal war. Not feudal, but futile. Um, and then a commercial came on for, like, dying kids in Africa. You know, and it's, those, were, those commercials were explicit, right? Like, you saw kids with their descended, distended bellies, you know, like, starving to death. And I remember just flipping out and and like losing my shit and being and I, I ran upstairs saying, I don't want to die. Mm. And was like like kind of inconsolable for a while. My mom was like, What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Like you're not gonna die. Like you I mean, you are eventually, right? I doubt she said that, but she's like, You're fine, you know, like you're not gonna die. Like everything's okay. Well, but I could not shake it. Like I was really, really overwhelmed by this notion of mortality. You just made me remember I had some very similar experience where I think it was like I was upset about something else and it was just me and my sister and I was like the same age. And I don't remember being like that upset, whatever the thing was upset, but I don't know. Anyway, she tried to make me feel better by like singing this, um, the song that we thought was like funny. It was like a, but it was like a commercial. It wasn't, it was like about, 
like oh yeah it was it was plant a tree for all america (laughs) plant a tree for all which it stands and then it just repeats that yeah and we just thought it was so funny as kids be just you know like man like with a mustache or whatever on a mountain singing that kind of thing (laughs) yeah but when she'd sing it to me to try to make me like laugh and feel better because i guess i was already in a bad place it like it it set me off even worse and i mean i think that feeling was that kind of like first existential crisis mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. or i guess um maybe that's not the exact right word but you know uh, yeah. crisis of mortality sure for the first time of um of of someone how, how like how could you how could you be this sort of like positive and sincere when we're all going to die on some like weird kid hey, level? I I mean, I feel that every day <laughs> still. <laughs> right, but I you, wake up thinking that. <laughs> yeah, we, we get used to it kind of sort of though. Yeah. So I guess, you know, all of that is to say in a way, like I think that's what the movie is built for. And whether you can tap into or that or not really is going to be the crux of it. Because like, as I read people's reviews and such after I saw it and and basing it off the fact that people were walking out of the theater, I, I really felt kind of this weird sense of where does this movie belong if it's so all or nothing in a way. It's like you either can tap in or you're out. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, I'm not, I'm not holding this film with these films. I feel like that's sort of how films and divisive films are initially divisive. They, um, like kind of love or, or hate them or, or what am I saying? They're, there's something different about them. There's something new about them. I'm just thinking of like, sure. Uh, Eraserhead, 2001, A Space Odyssey, people are walking out of those, you know? Right. Now, having said that, and I think this is for a later conversation, really, is that a metric for uh, success or elevation, critical elevation? And I think that's a really interesting question. I look at it as... Should we should we pin that for things of note? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. That's I, I kind of have something that's that's similar to that. Well, I'll be the same conversation, but um, just sort of keep going. I mean, why why it was my speed though, and mm-hmm. it worked for me. Just kind of my experience. Um, first thing that struck me was the minimal dialogue was like just my speed. Like any any more context or dialogue would have ruined the effect for me. I, because, I can agree with that yeah, for sure. Because like, and what they were saying too, there was something about like the little little kids saying to the other little kid, um, I brought you a juice or something like that. <laughs> right, right. Where it's just so sweet and innocent and just put me right back into this this world of like, these when your world it's like you have a smaller world like what is available in your knowing is mm-hmm. like yeah it, it's 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 more limited i don't know and there's just something yeah very i guess i already said it is innocent about that that just instantly just make i don't know makes your heart go out to these little kids in a way it's just, well yeah it's it's a simplicity i think is what it boils down mm-hmm. to because that's where they're at that they they don't have more complexity yet in for themselves. Yeah. But it's still at the same time what it is, it's 
it's you're relating to them as people though still totally. where this baseline instincts because oh god i mean it just broke my heart when uh he was like um uh can we watch something happy <laughs> right and it's just like oh my god like just you know like our our, our beloved pets here or whatever people in the theater when when that line happened people like erupted in my theater like how they were like yes can we that means the movie's working yeah it was odd but you know <laughs> obviously people were being affected by it <laughs> yeah <laughs> no yeah no can we watch something happy like there's just j- just to be put in touch with all like yeah as i said like our pets like they are happy when they see this they are sad when we see this and we're just the same way i don't know just that yeah. that got to me on some level too and anything more than all that would have killed it uh yeah, yeah didn't need to say more i also i think other things that i really liked that like worked for me was just the luck of the house itself being the way it was mm-hmm. like the whatever era that house was built in it kind of felt maybe 70s or 80s maybe it was when it was built um the decor the the wood paneling stuff like that like some of the lighting fixtures that you see were felt very 70s ish to me and I love that era. So just from an aesthetic point of view, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. Yeah. this. This gives me a cool, you know, my childhood vibe because that, that, you know, most of the houses I was around as a kid were built probably in the 70s, maybe 60s, but the decor was certainly 70s, right? Um, and so like that all was adding to this nostalgia kind of element of tapping into right kid brain what was so incredible then is uh yeah we as soon as we're experiencing the nostalgia side of it there's the evil bent to it all right to all of a sudden have this ultimate place of comfort and nostalgia yeah yeah be are just twisted like into hell yeah gradually for years on end i love the the twisting too Mm -hmm. In, in in itself um how it's padded out maybe wasn't exactly the like the thing that was working but but the the element itself worked great in that when things move or disappear or are displaced or put in a place that they're not supposed to be that is awesome like Mm -hmm. that that weird nightmarish element that that you get out of that like the barbie doll sticking out of the ceiling or like the chair hanging from the ceiling like that unnaturalness is so pleasing to me so not knowing quite all the what did not work for you yet is did how it shot was it effective in walling you in and showing that space yeah yes Okay. Yes, and a little no somewhere else. Okay. Yeah, like without going into it. Uh, I mean, I just I I think there's something those uh, those visuals. Yeah, are I think the strongest things in the movie. Great. Like that visual of the TV. It's sort of a, it's very different because we see the TV a bunch of different times, but there's one shot. It's it's actually in the in the trailer too where the TV is sort of at just a little bit of a, an angle. It's, it's not quite three quarters, but it's close. 
and it's just sort of there in space. And it's very, you know, it's like the poster of Poltergeist or something like that. And and there's something, and, and I think the camera is pushing in on it. There's something about that image that I'm like, oh, that's the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the image that I'm going to remember when I think of this movie. And that one and when Kevin is put onto the, the ceiling mm-hmm. and we're upside down. So cool. Like that is... <laughs> That is like chef's kiss, like visuals for me. And to have it work in such a way where you, rather than it not working that you're questioning, wait, so he opened the door and then it was all upside down. Like exactly like when did it become upside down that you, that it works in that flowy dream flow state where we just get it. Like if it's operating on that level where that can work, I'm into it. So, so I guess what I, what I'm saying is. There are there are elements of visuals or there are visuals that to me are doing the thing that I think a lot of people are responding to and and making people be like, oh, this is different. This is new. This is doing a thing. Yeah. And then unfortunately, I guess there's another side to that for me as a viewer. Right. Well, <laughs> I guess more on maybe why how it was shot was so effective. I'm just something I really am kind of like obsessed with right now is to show you're giving extreme attention to a corner, like a ceiling and a corner panning across just these panels or whatever. Mm. And I think that's so powerful to kind of like do what I said earlier about kind of the juice boxes when you're a kid, these things like are your whole world. Like these things feel like they have sort of a, a significance, meaning your, right, right. Your, your attachment to them. They're special to you. Uh, so how so how was shot? Absolutely supporting all that. Um, yeah. And to be trapped, that feeling of trap that this has. Uh, I liked, um, you know, I was looking at some of the letterbox reviews, both top and bottom ones. Uh But this one from a a top one I liked from a review by Max Coombs, letterbox user. Just a little uh, sentence, not the whole thing. The only thing scarier than expecting a parent to burst into the room and yell to turn the TV off is thinking maybe nobody's coming at all. Hmm. Terrifying as it is, perversely comforting. (laughs) That's interesting. Yeah, perversely comforting. That's what I was trying to tell you that that like sorry say earlier that right. like discordantness from warm nostalgia is now hell and making me yeah uncomfortable. Um, a couple other images that I think are really really strong. Uh, I think obviously the kind of climactic I guess image of the the Legos piled into the end of the hallway up. Mm side down it's kind of what i thought might have been the the midpoint term but it's kind of the like maybe going into more the last act you're talking about where now the space has changed even more with the super the hall has like extended yeah ad nauseum i really like that because again to me that taps into these recurring images in dreams like that i've had and that lots of people have had um this long hallway is is this recurring image in in a lot of my like dark nightmares and i don't I, and like obviously that's common that's not 
you know, I'm not, uh, uh, whatever it's, it's, it's not specific to me. Um, that's part of the fascination though. And so why is that? And what is, what is that? And I wonder if it is a kid thing that when we're kids, we see these hallways and we, you know, it's like object permanence, you, you know, it's like, we don't, our brains don't quite know what's around the corner. And, and so the not knowing leaves it open to, it could be anything or nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think our brains when we're little, maybe like tap into that concept and rec- and have it be a recurring thing. I don't, I don't know, but like having it be in this, uh, kind of chromatic or monochromatic gray scale that the movie mostly is in and having it have that long hallway liminal element to it that like, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's the thing that, yeah. that I'm very familiar with and that I love in the nightmare sort of sense of it. And for me, that moment, it came just at the right time where mm-hmm. like, as soon as I was kind of needing, um, well, just sort of that, that, uh, that, I don't know. It's like, like any movie, maybe a lot of horror movies, you kind of want to like jump ahead in your head if you're the writer or whatever, be like, okay, well, what, what is it like if we jump ahead, have or long, like get us there? I don't right. know. It, it did just, just that, or I don't know. It, it, yeah, it lifted me up again just when I needed it. And I, I got to say like the pacing and the overall length, like spot on for me, like this hmm. was a hundred minutes. I thought it was like 60 minutes. I oh, really got into the lull of it. I, I think you are unique in that because <laughs> a lot of people did not feel the same way. <laughs> That's Funny. interesting. I, you know, the, oh man, never mind. Okay. Well, how about some of their, it's funny, I don't know, with with people saying, I don't know, I don't know, I guess we'll get into what did not work. Yeah. But for me, there were like a lot of just explicit, over-the-top horror moments. Mm. You had, I mean, the, the one you already said, jumping ahead in time, just seeing the extended hallway. But we had, at first, the hand coming out of the shadow, this like black hand where there's like a, a jump noise associated with it, like a screeching yeah. and the upstairs in the parents' bedroom, I think like right around when they first disappear. Oh, which I got to mention too. I mean, talk about me, not overt jump scare horror moments. When we witness the parents disappear, we don't see their faces and it's all just one long take. Oh God, that was so good. Yeah. So we had the hand coming out scare. Um, the, when the evil disappeared, the face of the one kid and seeing that really quickly, classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the toy phone with the face, sure, snap moving is great. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then the big ending, which yeah, I thought is that's what you're gonna say of this appearance of a face, the end ending, right, right. Which what was your your read on that? In hindsight, in the moment, I just sort of was. Well, in the moment, I was thinking, oh, they're going to do one last jump scare screech. And I was an- trying to anticipate that and and kind of getting annoyed. I was like, I don't like those. 
Yeah, and but so, that's not, it's not like what they did at the end of Sinister. I was so into Sinister, then they had the stupid, like, last moment jump scare at the end. Right, and I thought they were going to do that, so I was kind of bracing for that, and in the moment, I think it took me out of the moment. In hindsight, now that I, you know, I've had a day, um, I would say it's probably one of the more effective shots because it really is... It's so similar to a experience that you just in almost inherently know as a kid when you're laying in bed. I've had both of these things happen. One, you wake up to your parent hovering over you like that. And in, initially it can be scary or it can be comforting or whatever, but it's blurry anyway. But I've also had that experience where I'm laying in bed and open my eyes and there has just been like a hovering face that's not there. It's sort of like you're half dreaming, half not. And it is so scary. Mm -hmm. And I, as a kid, I was a big hide under the covers. That was my solution. for was big on hiding under the yeah, covers. I was really big into the hide under the covers move. <laughs> um, I had to have a little air hole, you know, so I'd oh, like, yeah. I'd c cover, but like create this little like of tunnel of, so I could breathe. Um, Cause I, I was also really scared of suffocating and claustrophobia and stuff like that. So I had to find this happy medium to where I could feel safe, but not like I was dying. But like the fear of pulling the covers off to see if that face is, is still there. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, as a kid had a really hard time with that stuff. Like I did not get out from under the covers once I was under. And so that that image, that that you know, out of focus face hovering there is quite something. Good stuff. Yeah, I uh, I loved it. It it's cool for film, other films, like horror films I love, like like The Witch or whatever. Let's say or Hereditary, you know, where they have a supernatural bent. It feels like you you get um, you have enough things that aren't too too extreme. Let's say, mm. I mean, this whole movie kind of is, but you'll, you'll get my point. Well, like how the witch, you know, it's like it earns its its ending of, you know, spoilers, them her, her floating up at the end and all that. But it makes it feel like real when you're seeing right. it. Same actually floating up in Hereditary, climbing all, all that too. Yep. So it feels like this film by, you know, it came just at the time where it has earned like just sort of one more explicit something <laughs> it's a scare in some regard so this whole movie it just brought up the suspense for me of like what is this evil voice you know it's an evil mm -hmm. entity you know you're just you're just going all these places thinking about that all the more terrifying because you can't really say exactly what it is but we know it's it means us harm you know it, it really gets to us so right for me that read on the ending was it was like so, so when I'm in that mode, it's like, well, to see this thing, if you, it could be seen, could or would be the most terrifying thing ever. So <laughs> yeah, it did just that, where it felt like you were looking into the face of evil. And I'd yeah. never seen a movie quite do that. And it was, if it had been any more or any less, it wouldn't have worked in the visibility of right. it. I just thought I was so unnerved. I thought it was an incredible, this perfect ending. So I, I take 
that you liked that moment more than his sister disappearing. And what I mean is like the, the, at least this is what I thought was going on right before that. There's a long shot of what I, I assumed was what's her name? Kaylee sitting kind of by the bed next to the wall back to us. And she just sort of slowly dissipates into nothingness. Mm -hmm. And I felt that actually felt stronger and eerier for me than the face. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. It's hard because like in the moment, I don't know how... It's because of that thing. It was stronger for me because I wasn't anticipating a possible like screech jump scare. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like, well, shit. Now if I were to watch it again, the face would probably be more effective because <laughs> I can just let it be. Maybe revisit it in a few years, yeah. 3 a.m. Yeah. The now, actually, you know, I was I did want to say this. So when this movie first kind of came across my radar was when it had been leaked accidentally by a film festival and posted online and i found it like because i had i think a tiktok came up that i was talked about it was like hey like this there's this movie that's just like you can watch right now and i thought oh the this is a this is a pr thing the filmmakers have put this out in this sort of it wasn't super hard to track down but you had to do a couple moves to get to it and then it was available and so I was like really excited because I thought, oh, this is this is the way, this is the intention of how mm. it's supposed to be seen. Like midnight in bed on your computer or on your phone, you know, this is how. It, and, I, and I started watching it, but it was super late. And I was like, oh, it's feature length. Like I, I'm not going to watch this whole thing right now. <laughs> but I was like in that context, I think I would enjoy the movie more mm -hmm. than this theater experience. The theater experience was distracting in a lot of ways because of people being pissed off about it. <laughs> Maybe so, more thing of note there. Yeah. We uh, last kind of big what worked for me. I had the effect of the grain. I thought was just so smart because it always gives you something to look at. I don't know if that's true. How would that translate to a smaller screen? Probably definitely not phone. It, it doesn't translate in the same way because even on my computer watching the trailer, mm -hmm. it looks way clearer of an image. Well, it's it's so cool that emulsion effect. It's like you can get caught up like watching the individual specs. I so I think that's why it that that really helped assail i think sort of boredom or what am i doing here cuz i cuz is fascinated just kind of yeah. getting lulled and drawn in Did watching you, the grain okay so there was an there was a thing that was happening knowing that this was not shot on film yeah which i didn't know going into the theater i now know it so it it kind of makes my brain like hurt more but there are un quite a number of moments where it, whatever that effect that they've put on, the film grain effect that they've put on, there are times, I don't know if anybody else is feeling this way, but. Is this a what did not work? No. Okay. The, no, it's not. It's, it actually made me, 
it's a it's super effective but i don't know if this is an actual thing or if i was like <laughs> my brain was creating this it felt as though the film reel in especially in certain shots that are that really there is no image that the film reel was slowing down and reversing and then starting back again. Mm. And I was like, am I, am I just in a trance <laughs> or is that actually a, an effect that is happening where it's like going, whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, and I'm, I, and then when they get to these moments where they are actually doing that with the, the, like the cartoon and then the blood splatter later that uses the same cartoon sound of repeating the thing over and over again, which I actually think is one of the stronger callbacks in the whole movie is, is using the sound from the cartoon and the repeated, um, the repetition of it with the blood splashing. Um, but I, I got really caught up to kind of to your point in how the film grain effect was affecting my brain. Man, that could, I should make that a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but so it did work for me, but I don't even know if it's, uh, if it's real. Yeah. Or if my brain was just like, I do remember tripping. things that I, I, I think it was just sort of, I didn't, wasn't overthinking it at the time, but I do remember. But then so how. If, I'm like, well, then what was going on? Because it's not film, so what well, the effect that they the, put on it was, is doing a those thing. Those effects, they aren't just like a digital effect. They're taken from actual like film emulsion. Okay, that makes way more sense. So maybe that is what's kind of happening. Yeah. Is I that think in it, that, yeah, in, in the, the layer that they're using or whatever you want to call it, it has that thing. So- uh, Ooh, tripped me out. It was. I liked it. Um. Anything else? What work do you want to say? Because the movie in and of itself is drawn out, really drawn out, you know, in order for me to get on board with it, it has to have some at least some like signposts or some things to hang my hat on at, at various stages before I'm just kind of out. And I was, I think the two that, that, there's two that did a really good job of keeping me in. Um, the parents, you know, sitting on the edge of the bed scene was one. Um, but the, oh, oh, and I need you to tell me, in that one, when the mom says, I need you too, I missed what she asks. I can't remember. And I'm mad about it because the reason I missed it is that a guy started snoring <laughs> right then. And I looked over because I was like, what is that? And I looked back and I had seen the su the subtitle say, I need you to. Uh -huh. And because the audio is what it is and because I was hearing somebody snoring, I missed what she said. And the audience gasped. <laughs> I forgot. And I was like, no, I've missed a thing that's really important. And so, but I think that that whole scene was a really good signpost of like, we're capturing you. We're keeping you in this. Oh, it was, I need you to look under the bed. Was it? Okay. And so, <laughs> and so that one, and then the, the, 
what does the voice say to Kevin? It says, like, put the knife in your eye. Yeah, something like that. that. Man, that right there alone <laughs> made me go, okay, we're in deep shit. Ooh, yeah. So those, so as sparse as the movie is, getting those little tiny nuggets <laughs> or whatever you want to call them, like they're they're just little diamonds, I guess. I mean, you're kind of just saying a, a version of what I said as far as like I was laying out yeah. all the sort of more overt horror moments, and you know, yeah, I'll add those on in their own way as far as the sort of things to hang your hat on. So for me, I, that's why it just flew right by. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, uh, cool, great. Well, then let's uh, move on. But I'll just say again, like this really did affect me on some deep level, and I think it's really, really incredible for that. Cool. So kudos. All right, but let's see what did not work. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> when you were talking about the grain, um, this is the only thing I'll have and it's totally stupid. I'll just get it out of the way. <laughs> but talking about the grain and why I asked, uh, oh, is this, are you sure this isn't a what did not work? Is because I kept noticing when it felt like maybe this is again just how it works and I'm just whatever. And this is so stupid, but whatever. I loved it. So I'm nitpicking. Uh, I could see when it felt like that filter, the grain filter restarted, like where there was a cut in it when I wish it had just sort of always been continuous. Yeah. So first viewing, being hypnotized by the grain, maybe I more wondered. than they thought anyone would. <laughs> I, <laughs> right, right. I noticed that. That's interesting. So Tim, you did not love this as much as me. Why? Well, what did you, this is the question I wanted to ask, like the people who clearly did not like it was like, what did you want? Well, I want to know what the hell they thought they were getting into. The pe people? Like, yeah. That, like, I mean, that that is my question. Right, yeah. like, like the people who left, was mo it was almost entirely couples in my theater. There were, I think there were four couples that left <laughs> and then three dudes that were by themselves that left. One of them was the snorer. <laughs> Glad he left. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, okay. And I kept thinking to myself, if you, like, what what did you see or what spurred you to to buy a ticket for this movie? What did you think you were going to see? Um, well, that's what I'm asking you. What did and, you think and what? And so I was prepared. I was totally prepared for what it was. Like, I was not under any illusion that it was going to be something else. So that was fine. That was not an issue for me. But I just found myself kind of, I mean, this is sort of contrary to what I just said about the signposts. I just felt in between the signposts was, I, I, it was too much drawn out, nothing. And I get it. Like, I get the effect. I just, it's, it's like, it's just kind of not for me. I want just a little more narrative, something to, to hold on to or I don't know that it would be a character something but I needed a just a, a one more push into something that felt like uh, 
uh, uh, like something I could hold on to a little bit. Um, maybe that's narrative. Maybe it's like there's so much uh, repeated nothingness. And I mean visually nothingness that – and I hate to say this because I think it's kind of just a lame thing to say. But like this movie doesn't need to be 100 minutes long, right? Like in, in actuality. Like I don't think it would be any different. I don't think the effectiveness of it would be any less if it was 45 minutes long. I don't know. I just think it was so exactly tuned into the exact pacing and length it had to be. For you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. For me, that wasn't the case. And so I kind of kept thinking, okay, well, what does that mean for me? Does that mean I think it's indulgent? Well, here. here and well, does that make me dislike it? Maybe why I said that more definitively, it's because like, but if it was 45 minutes, let's say, I just don't I just don't see how the same spell could be like even like cast on any level because it's 45 different 45 minutes being stuck somewhere is way different from being stuck somewhere for twice as long. They're different that's spell fair. effects, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but okay, so ha- that I mean, I guess that's kind of my point. If you are going to cast the spell for 100 minutes, for me to be in, I need a touch more something. Yeah. And what I kept thinking was, I'm not getting, I'm getting set up for, in a good way, for a payoff and it's never coming. And it, and, and like, maybe that's by design, right? Like, I mean, it obviously is by design, but the look under the bed I just, you can subvert my expectation. You can have me wonder what's under the bed and then have it, have it take you by surprise that it's something total, like that it's a misdirect and something else is going to happen. But I never felt that I got to the, that I got to that moment of, oh shit, they did it to me. And I think that's what I'm missing. I, I, and and makes me just never quite get there. I never I never felt a shiver. Yeah. Um and and that as it carried on and I got lulled into that, I started to just sort of lose faith that it ever was going to come and then it kind of didn't. And so it, part of what's for me really really if, like getting in the way of it is the the screech scares I actually think they're doing a disservice to the whole movie. Like there's four of them, right? I yeah, think I was surprised. I those, hated them. I, I usually hate things like that, but it, it felt justified to me because it made it feel that much more like there was just an evil sinister presence I'm that meant totally us totally with that. Mm-hmm. If we get to that and I never felt that we, I, I it, Instead of those screech scares serving a bigger thing, I felt like they detracted from a bigger thing that could have existed. And it and it made me mad because I was like it's it's neither good nor bad in that well, it's neither serving that 
uh, or having the effect that I think maybe was intended. I, I don't know. It just, they didn't feel right to me and I got mad at them. I think that the, the phone would have been a thousand times scarier with no sound effect. It's so funny because I'm like usually always that way. But I know. For some reason, this feel it. It felt like be, something about being in that kid state. It felt like I just just did need something that was like doing it because it wanted to like intentionally scare me. That's what it felt like it was doing. Like even that, I'm okay with if there's progress of progressive nature to the scare so if it were me the way i would change that is like sure you can do one that way but not all four can be that Mm -hmm, way mm -hmm. so i've i've i think i mentioned this before but i i've had a a, an effect in a in a scary dream before where a ghost in one case in particular but this happened a couple times in my dreams uh like in the moment, in the dream, the terror happens for me. Like the feeling of terror starts before I'm seeing the thing. So you know it's coming. And there's a like a whomping feeling in my ears. Like where it's like, it's almost like somebody's putting their hands up over your ears like and pulling away. And it mm. starts to like, like the, the frequency is like whomping at you. And it's building to the point where it's like almost like uh, sonically crushing you. If you were to change those scare moments, like the, the to have variation in them sonically, I think I would have been way more on board. Hmm. And I think that that's in a way that's like my overall displeasure with the film is that and and I again I think it's by design so I can't really criticize it, but from my experience, not being in the loop that the movie is in, is less effective than moving, like progressively somewhere. And that's not to say that I don't think the movie does move somewhere. I think we we do go from point A to B to C to D or whatever, but. It never feels um, – it never felt attached to something enough for me in my taste, I guess, to really be like, yes, we're going there. So aside from just <laughs> – Did any of that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so I'm still trying to <laughs> key on it, but like aside from needing one more kind of – character slash story i get what he means like one more thing to grasp on to like if it did have that then all these other things would have clicked for you more just because you would have been think so in it more yes so it's just it's just so fascinating because i feel like it's such a fine line where it's like what's uh, what's too much to make it feel too movie-ish and right. as well as well what's too little where you it's intentional so you get under that spell like keep saying well and like yeah so i was like okay so what could that have been to make me f- to accomplish this thing that i'm you know reaching for and i was like okay well is it that we don't see the kids like we can't like get get on board with them because we're not f- actually like seeing them as characters like actually visually seeing them 
And I don't think it's that. I think that would have been a wrong step. Um, are we never like getting some sort of like story uh, support of what this evil is? No, I don't think that's right either. Um, we don't, I, I just don't know what it is that would, would accomplish the thing that I feel like is lacking for me. Here's one thing I would have put in. Oh. I wanted a presence of like, I wanted to see a super Nintendo controller. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I'm actually surprised there wasn't one. Exactly. Exactly. Um, damn. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm because I don't, you know, usually when I'm being critical, like this is a critique of the filmmaker, right? And a lot of the time when we're doing that, I think we have enough information or feel like we have enough information to be able to give like constructive alternatives. But this movie is so abstract in a lot of ways that without the filmmaker here to give us a sense of where they were coming from, or what their intention may or may not have been. Like if they had a particular intention and they told us, that would enlighten us to some of this stuff. But to not have that, it's really difficult. It feels like, for me, all you need to know is what you feel, you know? Right, and so, okay, th and that's fine. If that's the baseline, I never felt the, the floor drop out mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people are feeling. Mm -hmm. And I'm bummed. And my theater experience was <laughs> annoying. I just have to wonder <laughs> if you were to watch it again, middle of the night, five years from now, could you could you Maybe. come around? Could its its spell take you over? Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess that's a thing of note. Well, let's do you want to do that? Yeah, let's just do it. All right, here we go. Things of note. This should be interesting. Why did anybody go to this movie, right? Because it was put out there that this movie was, you know, like any PR, it's put out there. And there's a divisive, it's, it's almost benefiting specifically from people saying this movie is going to be divisive, right? But that's a gimmick. That's, that's, that's a PR stunt in a way. And I... I kind of felt a little like annoyed by this element of it that I'm like, is this movie getting picked up by IFC Midnight for distribution because they think that it's a good, scary movie or but because they think they can exploit the fact that they know it's going to be divisive? And I... That makes me feel uncomfortable. I think it's, if it was more divisive, you can kind of, makes it feel like it's half and half people who are enjoying it or not enjoying it. So with those kinds of odds, I feel like it had a good, I mean, it had a, a festival run or whatever. So I feel like people that's true, did like actually. it before that's its true. release. And that's fair. Well, I, I but, kind of- But, but does it, is that enough- like, why does any movie get dis distribution? This is getting theatrical distribution, and it is an ex extremely experimental film. We it's don't. Ho it's horror. That's why. Okay, 
but is it exploitative to release it in theaters no is it is it exploiting the film in the sense that it's like we're not actually putting it into the theater because we think it's well, this is a weird way of looking at it, I guess. You just feel like someone... I feel like there's an executive who's sitting there being like, yeah, that movie, like, people are going to be pissed off. That's that's our PR. So, Piss people off. I, and that makes me feel uncomfortable. While I think that's technically possible, I think <laughs> it's more likely that people at IFC Midnight and Shudder genuinely like this movie. That's... That's fair. But, okay, okay. So to that end, uh, do they like it because it's uh, different? They liked it because of what Max Coombs said. They liked it because of everything yeah. that I said. I I guess, I don't know. There's a, I'm being cynical, I think. But here, this is what I want to ask. I'm curious if I could totally see if the wrappings become trappings of the very presentation of this movie, then of course you can get under its spell because you're still outside the movie right. and the circumstances that people made it, you know? Mm, it's not becoming yeah. a thing on its own for you. Yeah. And I Maybe wonder that's it. Like, and that can happen with other people too. Like, Oh, it's supposed to be the scariest thing ever. They aren't scared in the first five minutes. They're just like, what the hell is this? Yeah. They're gone. Well, I get, yeah, that's actually kind of to my point, maybe that uh, I, I'm not articulating well. It's really treacherous territory to, to start saying a thing is the scariest or, or that it's groundbreaking or that it's, you know, like new, I saw somebody being like, oh, this is new horror. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I don't think this is new at all. And I don't even think that anything is, I'm like, what does that even mean? Well, it's doing- Is it different than anything we've ever seen? Absolutely not. But nothing is. Exactly. So to to label it as such is really frustrating to me. I think that's mincing- If I have to watch one more grainy, fucking black and white image of somebody staring at a corner of a wall it's like dude we saw it Blair Witch we've did seen it. it a million times right that's, that's like, what someone said this movie was just the ending of Blair Witch yeah yes in a way yes it actually you know what it, in, it this is very cynical and I'm not I'm not trying to shit on the movie but I walked out of it thinking to myself the two things that I feel like were most informing this movie were the videotape in the ring, like the footage on the videotape in the ring, and the the ending of Blair Witch. I, and you ex and and a filmmaker loved those things and extrapolated them out into a hundred minutes of of like their feelings or their versions of that. And there's that's not even really a criticism, but like the the uh, the derivative nature of that feeling that way makes me not like I left the movie not liking it that much right and and to then have people be like oh it's so you know never been done before or whatever this is new horror I'm like that makes me think you're dumb if you think that well I'm dumb Tim because I I totally get how it's it's you can get put off by something said that's like so bold and definitive or mm -hmm. whatever uh, 
I totally like to, you know, read in the director, say, these are my direct influences on this film. And I'm like, yeah, I totally see that. So, and I am the one who just said, like, nothing is new. But what we, what we do do is we take these things and put them together in new ways or just sure. twist it as such a way. So it's like, it's, it's true and it's not, you know, what you're saying. It's just one of those, those things. So for me, it gave me like a new feeling. Like I said, it gave me a feeling that was something I never thought I'd experience in another film from another human that was so right. specific to me. So that if I was a critic or whatever, I could see me writing a review that would say like, did a new thing, a kind of new horror because it just did something that other films had not done before at all. Right. And I get it. I'm being unfair. Like I, I, in my reaction, I think it's an unfair reaction, <laughs> but it is the reaction. And so I'm like, well, that all adds up to me not being in love with it. And, and part of the disappointment is the expectation, right? Like I, I wanted this to be the greatest thing ever. And that's a really, like, you shouldn't walk into a movie feeling that way. But I was excited, and then I felt kind of, like, lackluster about it, and I got mm -hmm. bummed out. And now I'm, you know, finding reasons to justify why I'm bummed out. I think knowing is divisive going in sort of erases that for me and puts me back in no expectations mode. That's interesting. I didn't know it was going to be that. I, I wasn't expecting it to be div dis divisive, mm. actually, Although Britt leaned over to me right as it started and she goes, how many people do you think we're going to lose? <laughs> She's smart. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe a few. 11. She was counting. 11. <laughs> so to In kind a of- theater of like 50. To continue this exploration and um, just that other audience members, like I was so curious, just kind of like, overhear other people like how they're reacting mm -hmm. and stuff so when it ended and i was just in my seat like holy shit for like this was just something totally new i never experienced before what just happened to me i'm floored and shook on some deep deep level holy cow i just need to sit here for 10 minutes immediately someone let out it was like a boo without the kind of b it sounded like a ooh, kind of oh like that God. and then immediately the guy two seats next to me uh, was like, yeah, fuck that. And like got up and like, you know, just kind of left as soon as it ended. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and then just kind of finished the rundown of reactions. I picked up on a couple people behind me. I heard them saying kind of like what I've been saying. It's like, yeah, it was cool. But I just wonder like kind of the theater was a little distracting. I wonder if I should have like best yeah. watched just in my living room, middle of the night alone, stoned, whatever kind of thing. So this guy mm. next to me, though, an interesting experience that just made <laughs> me want to bring up this question, where there is a distinct moment, I don't know, could have been anywhere like 5, 15 minutes in, where it felt like akin to, oh, the drugs are kicking in. <laughs> sure. It's like, it's it's yeah. happening now. Yeah. And that's when I just went in my seat, like, whoop-hoom, I'm there for the ride. That exact same moment, the guy next to me who left in a huff after, <laughs> like like me seeing the, uh, was it the Juan Grudge remake? Oh, God. <laughs> we saw that. <laughs> that guy next to me, that exact same moment, I felt like someone, you know, pushed me into my seat. He went, 
<clears throat> and just kind of give this big, just kind of um, like, I'm bored, I'm angry. Oh so it just made me wonder like about the intersection between when is something just personal taste, but at the same time, when is is it also just a matter of are we allowing ourselves to go along for the ride of whatever it may be sure. and just accepting it for what it may be? And I will say, I that's where I lived for the movie. I was like, I'm I'm letting it wash over me, and I still ended up never tapping in, and that's sad. It sounds like I mean everything you're saying is more just sort of uh, distractions and surrounding to mindset. A degree, yeah. To a degree, um, like circumstances, situational. Your, I mean, you you went on and on about just the your expectations or lack thereof because of stuff you'd heard or read about yep. it. Yeah, it was distracting. It was really distracting, actually. Maybe more so now that I think about it than I realized in the moment. I mean, people were like murmuring. There was like when when the jump scares happened this one woman was going oh fuck you no fuck you Those like i hate get that a, they did get I a reaction it. it was great the jump scare you know and i'm like that's fine but distracting um so much in and out like moving people coming in and out i mean mostly out <laughs> there was a moment where the sound dropped out for a bit Oh really? No, like intentionally, like oh, oh, like oh, oh. like there's a moment that gets super silent. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was eating popcorn during that moment, and I felt bad. I was like, I should stop. There you go. You're one of them, Tim. I know. I was like, shit. So it was really cool because as much as people, maybe less so, it sounds like than your screening were kind of whatever. During that moment when the movie got really quiet, like you could hear a pin drop. It was kind of yeah. incredible. Like it, on some level, people were into it. Like. I don't know. Maybe it was just out of respect. The Huffy guys are just like, you know, <laughs> didn't want to ruin it in case anyone else like me was enjoying it. Sure. But, but well, I don't you know. went on opening night too, right? Was yours Thursday first? night? Yeah. That was that opening night? Yeah. 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 I went the uh, Friday. There's a difference, right? Like there's a different crowd between a Thursday and a Friday. A few more diehards with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um I don't know. That just I was just it just got me all thinking again about yeah how we're viewing a movie it's god was it kind of like i don't know yeah i don't know what i'm saying just that just again maybe i just was just wanted to hear more of your thoughts on if you get what i'm saying the intersection of personal personal taste and just going along for the ride like and just i thought that was really fascinating that the exact same moment it felt like that the spell took over me and this other guy had two distinct yeah. Reactions. Well, I will say that I think all but two of the people who left left before the 40 minute mark. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's a mistake. Like I get it that you're not, you're not vibing. And like, if you want to leave fine, like whatever you can leave. But this <laughs> I feel like this movie is telling you pretty explicitly right off the bat, like you should settle in. Right. Right. Because here's, okay, here's an example, kind of what I want to delve into a bit. It's so, it's so easy. And I mean, 
<laughs> rightfully so, we all have our own personal taste in music. Totally. Let's say as an example. Something, I don't know, something changed in me over the last however many years where I can truly like, I don't feel like I'm, like if I if I hear something, let's say I never thought I'd like listen to or like that someone else loves, listen to like someone plays me a Taylor Swift album. I can be like, sure. oh, I totally get this. This yeah. is great. And it doesn't feel like it's saying anything bad or like it's changing my, I'm not attached to that identity yeah. that what I can enjoy in any given moment somehow changes <laughs> me. Right. So I think I just kind of had like, in music as an example, just kind of in a place where I just give myself over to like, whatever the playlist is doing, you know, just very, that when in Rome, uh, yeah, thing, um, ideal. So I, I don't know. It's, so, so why can't more people who hate Taylor Swift just enjoy Taylor Swift? That's a huge question. <laughs> <laughs> if it's being played then and there, why go? Bleh? Well, I mean, that's, God, where to begin? That's like a whole other podcast. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I think like the simple answer is because we're be constantly being told as like in in our society to accept or that we are owed gratification in the way that we want it. And that's kind of a shitty way to look at things because then you – you suffer the the immediate um, like certitude that a thing is or isn't what you want, and that's not great. Like you don't get to let things, you don't get to, like you're just not open to things potentially like entering into you if you if you look right. at it that way. But 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 we are we are in a world that is actively attempting to condition us to look at things that way which isn't great. How so? Well, me, uh, how media is constructed, the 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 corporatism of of media of buy this of scarcity, you know, outlooks like all of these sort of constructs that around us that say get what get what you deserve. Got it. Get what you okay. I'm you still you want this and it I mean it's just advertising. It's advertising. Right. It's propaganda. It's like the the things that we're consuming are telling us how to consume. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Like there's a machine of propaganda that exists in the world, advertising I, in particular. I was driving two days ago and put on like, the, the, you know, my 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 little I, uh, thing to plug into my phone stopped working in my car. So I'm just kind of at the behest of CDs and radio. Mm -hmm. And, um, where you could just get a new one on Amazon, right? Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like you could just get, I can't, the I've tried all of them. It's an actual car jack. That's not working. <laughs> oh, so you're really screwed. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, so uh, you, so this is a great example. You're forced into acceptance of the thing. Right. So that's, that's my point. So yeah. I'm like, okay, just finished the CD. Don't want to change them while I'm driving. What are my radio stations? Jack FM, which is famous for like, we play what we want, you know, sure. kind of thing. And <laughs> Eye of the Tiger came on, hey. and I was just like, uh, I was like, okay, <laughs> like, I've like, yeah, heard this a million times, <laughs> whatever. But as soon as it like it came on, and I had that reaction, uh, I saw a, a big sign next to me 
that was for, this was in Burbank. It was for like Rocky's automotive or something like mm. that. And with seeing Rocky right there, it was just to have it come on. It just like reset my reaction to it and put me immediately in like how much I love yeah. those movies. I was able to like rock out to eye of the tiger. So it was just kind of like that slight shift, like rather than going, man, this isn't what I want. Couldn't that have guy just been like, okay, this is something totally new right. and different and whatever it is, I'm going to accept it and go along for the ride rather than just be uncomfortable sitting here because it's not exactly what right. I wanted. Like, I don't know. Well, to me, what that's pointing at is, is, and maybe this is happening in society, I, I don't know, but that's pointing at just a natural curiosity that we like tap into our natural curiosity. Like, how does this inform where I'm at right now and the things that are happening around me, mm -hmm. right? Well, he, and, and I think that's a cool place to be, but I don't think that we are... Uh, societally cultivating that way of looking at life very much. Maybe, you know, you said mindset of scarcity, I think, yeah, is the ill of all our woes. It's, I think that can have a lot to do with um, sympathy and empathy because yeah. what I sort of like, realized my key into like enjoying music I may never thought I would have liked, but now can appreciate if it's there in front of me is that someone loves this. Someone who loves it is playing it for me. And I can now, I feel like just kind of tap right into where they're coming from. Like where yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I can feel their feelings and listen through it through that lens. And maybe now I can just kind of do that without them there and present yeah. Like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know. It's, when it, it's it's what's in front of you enjoy it true and yet i think a factor in right now in the world after a pandemic where we effectively feel that we've lost not only lives but time i think that there is a a um a theme of thought of like my time is more valuable now than I ever realized before maybe. And yeah. so I don't want to waste, quote unquote, any time on things that are not in service of, you know, something that I want or, or, or need or whatever. It's so ironic though, if then that only I makes know. people not be able to enjoy the it's, thing in front of them. I know, it's a paradox, man. Which is at the heart of all horror we always right. come back to. So, you know, I, I think this movie's cool, but I I still am not sure it's it landed for me enough, I guess. Well. But, okay, so that actually wraps around to what we sort of started with saying. Is this just a PR gimmick? Is it being exploited by the the you know the distributor distributor? It's no, I mean it's like and, since, and since when have I think I'm just being overly right, cynical. Since when have uh, studios not taken good pull <laughs> quotes from critics? Like, right, right. <laughs> I don't think it's anything sure. more than that. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting. You know, uh, 
when you mentioned this felt like it was from my nightmares, how Kyle Edward Ball previously ran a YouTube channel called Bite Size Nightmares is from Wikipedia through which he asked viewers to post comments about their nightmares and then shoot recreations of said nightmares. And Skinamarink was inspired by the tropes recurrent in the most commonly submitted nightmares. Yeah, that's that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Let's be honest. Check that out, Bite Size Nightmares. Let us know how it is, I think I've seen some stuff from there over the years. Cool. And then the works, the filmmakers he cited here, again, according uh, to wherever Wikipedia citing, which is, oh, here, interview with Fangoria. Um, he cited Chantel Ackerman, Stan Brackage, Film Grain. I can see that for sure. It's Stan Brackage. Maya Darren, Stanley Kubrick, David Lynch has influences on Skinamarink. Also said that avant-garde film from 67 called Wavelength. And then, of course, the 74 slasher film, Black Christmas, specifically with Black Christmas, the shots of um, just kind of panning, simple mm-hmm. shots of panning around. Yeah, I wonder what that wavelength movie is all about. Um, oh, it's a Canadian short. Cool. From Wow. So anything else uh, you want to say or explore that you thought noteworthy? Um, no, I mean, it is cool to see that you know i i I assume it uh, i'm gonna believe that it was unintentional because that's what we're being told but the leaking of this is kind of what really got it out into the world feels like appropriate for this film for some reason exactly which makes me wonder if it if that if that was intentional brilliant like brilliant marketing right um, but it got grabbed by people on Reddit and, and TikTok and they just blasted it out. I mean, that's how I heard of it. So good good job universe maybe, mm-hmm. but or good job marketing team. Either way, like your film got distributed by, you know, into a theatrical release. That's, that's huge. And that's why I said to him, just excited about like another, how Paranormal Activity was truly independent. Just another yep. one of those making it out there is exciting, I think. And, and let's, I mean, we say this all the time, just go make the thing. Mm-hmm. Find a way to make it. They made it for 15 grand. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they, they seed and spark uh, crowdfunded for it. That's amazing. Like, great. <laughs> go do that. Cool. Is that a little, that's the inspirational note you want to leave on? Yes. <laughs> okay, for Skin and Marink. <laughs> Great. All right, then, after Skin and Marink. Oh, you know what? I did have one less thing. Sorry, okay. everybody. You know, we've been here. <laughs> I just had to mention what worked, and this is also a thing of note. Uh, the title itself, I think, is great. And I was thinking, like, well, why is that? It does totally conjure, I guess the guy's the same age as me. Mm. Growing up watching Sharon, Lois, and Bram, that's their song, Skin-a-marinky-dinky-dink-dinky-dinky-do. It absolutely did that same thing that we talked about, like the cartoons do, old cartoons, where it's like vague, what is it? But it also specifically means something on top of all, just it sounds old and weird. Um, I asked my Hmm. buddy, uh, OpenAI, chat, GDP, or whatever here, what the origin of Skinamarink is, said it's not entirely clear. It's believed to have originated in the United States as a nonsense word often used in children's songs and nursery rhymes. One popular song that features the word Skinamarink, a song that was popularized by Sharon Lois and Bram. The song is simple and catchy, often used to encourage children to sing and play along. 
the meaning of the word's not clear. Already said that. Thanks. Some believe it is a made-up word, while others think it may have roots in a different language, possibly Yiddish, but that is not confirmed. So just how perfectly obtuse, right, right. which is exactly why it's perfect <laughs> for this film, does the nostalgia thing, like perfect title. I really, really love it. Yeah, that's cool. All right, then we can wind down from <laughs> said Skinnamarink with some recommendations as we like to do. What else have we been consuming that we've enjoyed recently or, or otherwise? Uh, I've been, well, I'll save that for another recommendation, but I have been watching through uh, Hal Ashby's movies just sort oh. of after seeing his first ones being like, well, yeah, I kind of like this meandering stoned wavelength a bit. I want to <laughs> see what else he does. But he also does the thing that I just love so much from those 70s films and those kinds of filmmakers that were his um, his buds of just like really getting some kind of realism Mm. to him and some some heart in there so uh coming home is the one i was most surprised by so far that's a that's a heavy watch okay great it says here yeah activity from friends has a watched by tim aslin great uh so jane fonda you know, there's a weirdo whatever john voight's good actor though still um bruce dern uh jane fonda and john voight just had this like really captivating chemistry yeah and I, it was just the kind of movie I'd always wanted where it's a war movie about everyone who isn't at the war. Right. And it wears its heart on the sleeves about being anti-war, which I really, really appreciated. So yeah, coming home so far. I mean, aside from like, you know, Harold and Maude and being there, you know, his, his big ones, this was the one that, um yeah, I've been uh, stoked to, to have another one I really, really liked. Cool. Coming home. What do you got? Uh, we've been watching White Lotus. We're not finished with the first season, um, but it is, it's really weird. So here in 2023, you're recommending half of Light Lotus season one? Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, it just won a bunch of awards at the whatever. Season and I'm two. like, oh, there's a reason. Um, what's her name? Um, Jennifer Coolidge. Yes. Jennifer Coolidge is goddamn incredible. Truly incredible. Well, I'm excited for you to catch up. I'm sure anyone listening is a lot further along than you. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) But for anyone who's not, it gets you from the start. You're saying, oh yeah. Cool. The music in it is one of my absolute most favorite parts of it. Yeah. It's eerie and like unsettling and fun at the same time which is it's quite strange that show has been a perfect pandemic watch too just to like satisfy that travel lust like both seasons because both (laughs) seasons have been in this time you know so yeah well great i don't know how i didn't catch on to it earlier but so be it all right great join the club (laughs) cool um, well, we can actually say, um, you know, we, we kind of, since we're doing every other week here, a lot of times we can't say our next episode, but um, mm. we know next week's episode, or two weeks from now's episode will be Threads, uh, right. another, um, well, we'll talk about it then, but just if you want to oh, get on the same page, yeah, we've already seen it, actually. Please do. Also available on Shutter and uh, Canopy, if you have your library card. But uh, another movies that uh, another movie that puts you under a spell, you could say, 
threads. And we have um, some special guests for that too, including the author, Bob Mielke, who literally wrote the book on it. So yeah, look forward to that. All yeah. right, well, you can find us wherever you found us in the meantime. You got an email, dismemberinghore at gmail.com. And we're uh, moving all our episodes over to YouTube and are going to start doing more there, which maybe you're watching this there. Oh yeah, you can maybe see me. Weird. I've been fidgeting. Oh. This is weird. Getting used to this. I know. Still. I to like try to turn the my screen not on us. <laughs> right. Because I'm if I if it's on, I'll I'll watch you. Yeah. No. Instead of watching you. Anyway, and this is only temporary too. We're gonna actually start shooting this non webcams. This is just, just yeah, helping someday. us maybe get used to being a little get over the camera shyness. Anyway, uh, if you made it this far, really, thank you so so much for being here. So, in closing. Skinamarinky dinky dink dinky dinky do. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>